sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Hello and welcome to a Wednesday live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 159, the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM, all across the Sports Grid network as well. I am Ben Stevens, just over 24 hours away from when football returns to our lives already on a short week. On a Thursday night in Kansas City between the Chiefs and the Chargers. The line is moving. We'll break it down in just a few minutes. We'll go across the National Football League as well. The news and notes that you need to know setting the stage for week number two of this NFL campaign. And we'll go around the sports world. Just about 20 games left in this Major League Baseball season, and somebody needs to tell the New York Mets they have the easiest schedule in the National League. Boxing on the show today. A WNBA Finals update. All of that and more. Here on the morning after, we bring you until 11 a.m. Eastern time. And of course, I cannot forget college football as well. But we start in the NFL. The reigning defensive player of the year, showed his stuff on Sunday against Cincinnati. That would be T.J. Watt. He was pressuring Joe Burrow early and often. That Steelers defensive front sacked Burrow seven times. They forced five turnovers from Joe Burrow, four interceptions, and a forced fumble. But with the good comes some bad. T.J. Watt suffering a partially torn peck. But that word partial is very, very important because we got that final update yesterday from T.J. Watt and the Steelers themselves suffering that torn pec muscle but did not appear to tear the tendon. That's why, as Ian Rappaport reports here and as T.J. Watt himself spelled out, he'll be back. It does not require surgery, so with about six weeks of rehab, T.J. Watt can return sometime in that time frame there in the middle of October. Huge news for the reigning defensive player of the year and the Pittsburgh Steelers because, of course, it was Pittsburgh on the road in Cincy winning a wild overtime game where nobody wanted to make a field goal until Chris Boswell hit a 53-yarder to win the game. The Steelers winning outright on the road against the Bengals as a seven-and-a-half-point underdog. And we remained optimistic about the Steelers' outlook for this season. Were they going to be a playoff team? Who knows? They've made the playoffs six of the last eight years, two consecutive seasons as well. But it was that win total of seven and a half that we focused on most of this offseason because although there was a new quarterback in place and many moving parts on the roster, Mike Tomlin remained. And in the first 15 years of his tenure at the helm of Pittsburgh, they had won at least eight games. That win total is still seven and a half for the Pittsburgh Steelers, despite stealing one on the road week number one. Their odds to win the division, still the longest of the four in the AFC North, but shorter than they were entering week one from plus 950 down by three and a half bucks to six to one. Their odds to make the postseason improving as well. And their odds, of course, to win a conference championship. It is all very interesting when you put this into context for that AFC North division. As we entered this season, the Bengals were only 20 cents behind the Ravens in terms of the top two teams in this spot. Now Baltimore, after taking care of business, on the road in New York on Sunday, covering as a six and a half point favorite, winning that football game, of course, they have their odds to win this division get shorter, plus 115, and that gap, 
to where Cincy is is much larger at the moment. Cleveland's odds moving up, as was the case for the Steelers as well. All four teams in this division within $5 of each other. Hello and welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here as we bring you into the fold. Sirius XM, Channel 159, all of our terrestrial radio affiliates as well. I am Ben Stevens. This is a Wednesday on the morning after. Just one day away from getting back into football. Week number two gets underway tomorrow night in Kansas City between the Chiefs and the Chargers. But looking at some good news, at least slightly good news, for the Pittsburgh Steelers defense today, the reigning defensive player of the year, T.J. Watt, does not require surgery on that torn pec because he did not tear the tendon. So with some rehab and some rest, there is a hope that T.J. Watt can return sometime in the middle portion of October and does not need to miss the remainder of this 2022 NFL season. So Pittsburgh's odds in the division, the Steelers' odds to make the playoffs getting better and better by the day here following their upset victory week number one. That was on the road in Cincinnati for the first time in the newly named Acrisure Stadium. The Pittsburgh Steelers welcomed the New England Patriots for their home opener in 2022. And would you look at that line? The Pittsburgh Steelers, after winning outright as a a 7.5-point underdog on the road in Cincinnati, remain a home underdog week number two against the New England Patriots. Of course, the Pats have played their first two games on the road in South Beach on Sunday. New England looked terrible offensively, and that was the main concern for the Patriots entering this season, only mustering up seven points. Their quarterback, Mac Jones, was dealing with some back issues. Turns out just to be back spasms, and he is hopeful to play in this game against the Steelers, but New England came nowhere close to covering as a three-and-a-half-point underdog on the road in Miami. Now, the Steelers have been booked as a dog in now 13 games, dating back to last season. Last year, in 2021, the Pittsburgh Steelers were booked as an underdog 12 times. 7-5 and five against the spread. Not bad. Profitable. Above a 50% cover percentage as an underdog. But they won outright in six of those seven covers last year and a perfect one-for-one one in 2022 in terms of winning outright when booked as an underdog. So maybe you look at that money line price on the Steelers for Sunday afternoon against New England. We set the stage for Thursday night football with Joe Ranieri up next here on the morning after on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. here on the morning after on sports grid setting the stage for the start of week number two of this national football league regular season i am ben stevens thank you for joining us here on this wednesday tma if it's a wednesday on the morning after and we're taking an early handicapping approach to your nfl lines for week number two there is no better person to join us than the hardest working man at sports grid joe ranieri on the show right now after co-hosting the early line with Donnie Wrightside on this Wednesday and then later today on the grid for in-game live starting at 9 p.m. Eastern time that's a p.m. and it's a.m. right now Jerry Neri will be there once again a man that is multi-talented multi-faceted Jerry Neri joins us right now JR thank you so much for taking the time 
Uh, it, uh, I don't even know what day it is, uh, Ben. So the fact that I'm here and I'm on time, it's a good thing. But uh, I don't know how much longer that is going to go. Uh, it, I feel like uh, the days are like watching Iowa try to score points. They just like right. watching paint dry after a while, man. Yeah. Yeah, very painful, Joe, if that's... Hopefully we can make it a little bit more like Ohio State's offense for you or something of the sort here when you join us on the morning after. JR, here's maybe a, a pro tip, if you will. Use football as your calendar metric because we only have two days off now. It's a beautiful thing. When Monday night ends to wrap up a regular season week, Good it's point. only two days until Thursday night football starts, and now... It's just over 24 hours until week number two gets underway with a huge AFC West showdown in Kansas City between the Chiefs and the Chargers. And JR, we have already seen line movement for this game. The Chiefs open as a three and a half point favorite. That line already working in KC's favor. Now four and a half. The over under also up by a point. 54 and a hook. It is already the largest total of all of the games for week number two so jr some early line movement in this week for a thursday night football game tells you what well it tells me that uh the uh the performance uh without tyreek hill that the chiefs uh, put together in mahomes what 30 or 39 uh 365 touchdowns about as dominant a performance uh, it, it looked very similar to what we would see Kansas City Chiefs and Mahomes like week seven or eight right that's when they usually would kick it into gear everyone was worried that Tyreek Hill's gone who are they going to throw the ball to uh, the answer is very simple everybody that's who they're going to throw the ball to they're going to continue to throw the ball to anybody great offensive line obviously Mahomes uh, looks in sync, in rhythm, but uh, somebody please explain to good old Cliff there in Arizona, you don't blitz Mahomes. Why does everybody else in the NFL know that except you, Cliff? Don't blitz him. But, however, the team they're about to play here, man, um, mm. they invested a lot on the defensive side of the ball. And let's face it, what Kansas City's about to see in this game defensively is not what they saw last week and that ridiculousness with Arizona so um right. it I can't wait to see it I think it's a shootout I think it's got shootout written all over it but I think Mahomes is going to have to rely a little bit more on the running game against this defense as opposed to dropping back 39 times uh that uh, might be a little different story with Bosa and Khalil Mack uh, breathing down your throat it's a great point, JR, because the Chargers last year had the third worst rushing defense in the National Football League. They invested heavily on the defensive side of the football. No J.C. Jackson just yet, but they did pick off Derek Carr three times in the opener on Sunday, and they sacked him five times. Hello, Khalil Mack, his debut in a Chargers uniform. He records three sacks against his former, former team, the Las Vegas Raiders. So you talked about all of the targets for Kansas City. One thing we expect entering tomorrow night, no Keenan Allen for Los Angeles. Mm. Was great in the first half for Justin Herbert. Nearly 70 yards in the first two quarters of the opener on Sunday afternoon against Las Vegas, but then injures his hamstring, leaves the game early, and because of the short turnaround, JR, does not seem likely that he will play tomorrow night in Arrowhead against the Chiefs. What does that do for the Chargers offensively in their game plan against Kansas City? 
Uh, nothing. I mean, uh, DeAndre uh, Carter stepped up uh, big there for the uh, for the Chargers. And when you have Herbert, who's got, I mean, let's face it, that that's a rocket of an arm. He can make throws in tight windows that other guys just can't. And you saw it. You mentioned Derek Carr getting picked off. They both ran similar kinds of offensive pass plays in that game. The problem was it took, oh, I don't know, Derek Carr's ball to get there about three seconds longer than what Herbert was throwing. So while you don't want to miss a guy like Keenan Allen, who had a pretty good first half up until the point that he had to uh, get carted off, it looks like and sounds like it's nothing long term. I, he's not going to be ready for this game, but in about two weeks when they play the Jags, uh, it yeah. looks like he should be good to go, which is great news. But in the meantime, man, oh, man, uh, Herbert can do it all with his arm, with his legs. Uh, he is a nightmare to try and defend. And not to mention a little bit of revenge, possibly. Herbert remembers how he lost uh, to Kansas City uh, last year uh, when they should have won that game. But the defense didn't show up. Wonder if that'll be the same thing this game. A very interesting divisional split between these two last year. The Chargers won the first game on the road in KC. And then in the second meeting of the year in Los Angeles, it was the Chiefs that won a wild football game late yep. against the Chargers. So a split a season ago. Those top targets, by the way, remain for Kansas City, despite not having Tyreek Hill. Travis Kelsey still there, Joe. He had eight grabs over a buck yep. 20 in their opener against the Cardinals and a touchdown. His receiving yards prop is the highest of anybody for tomorrow night in KC at 80 and a half. Mike Williams, a lackluster opener for the Chargers against the Raiders. There will be more expected of him mm -hmm. without Keenan Allen. Juju Smith-Schuster, nearly 80 yards in his Kansas City debut. And Josh Palmer actually has had that receiving yards prop drop from 49 and a half already to 46 in a hook. We showed you the quarterbacks and what they're expected to do. Patrick Mahomes, Joe, threw five touchdown passes against the Oof. Cardinals. One of them went to Travis Kelsey. Another a couple across the board. But two of them, Joe... Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out of the backfield. He was a huge facet of that Chiefs offense. So when you're looking for people to find pay dirt, it's not just the running backs to break the pylon on the ground. Also involved in this offensive attack through the passing game as well, Joe. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, yeah, Hardman. I mean, they. I mean, everybody got involved. But again, that was more of a byproduct of the defense and how they were playing because... Uh, some reason you thought it was great to have uh, odd man uh, ranged on the outside. Didn't work out at well because Mahomes found every open receiver, got rid of the ball quick. But Kelsey appears to be, not that he wasn't uh, the security blanket in years past, but with no Tyreek Hill, it looked like when things got hot back there, uh, it was Kelsey who was there. It was Kelsey who was found. Uh, I don't know that that's going to happen because Arizona was not physical with Travis Kelsey, not like what the Chargers are going to be. I don't know that they're going to let Travis Kelsey get off the line free and clear and find uh, some, uh, some seams to be able to get open into. I doubt very much that's going to happen with the Chargers. Joe, quickly here, this game is important, although it's a Thursday night in week number two because there was so much optimism for L.A., mm -hmm. maybe knocking KC off its perch atop the AFC West. The Chiefs are still the favorites, but the Chargers only 45 cents behind. What will this game tomorrow night tell you about what the AFC West looks like this year? 
It's going to be the beginning, I think, of the devouring of one another. Chargers had to take on Raiders uh, in week one. Now in week two, yeah. they're going to have to take on the Chiefs. And and I think this has got split. The first win to me is going to be the most important because when they play again down the road, Ben, it's going to be for the opportunity. And we know within those tiebreakers, man, handling business in your division is huge. And it will be huge. Very, very big. The Chargers have already started with two divisional games by the time they wrap up tomorrow night in Kansas City. We continue breaking down the week two NFL slate up next here on the morning after live on sports. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Early here in this 2022 NFL season, we react to week number one and what it tells us for week number two and maybe, just maybe, the rest of the way here throughout the rest of this National Football League regular season. Welcome back to a Wednesday live on the morning after on SportsGrid. He is Joe Ranieri, back with us for a second straight segment, and I am Ben Stevens. So, JR, let's look at week number one. A couple of the teams that put on the most impressive performances. And although we expected a ton out of the Buffalo Bills, they lived up to that offseason hype. And last Thursday's opener on the road in Los Angeles, winning 31-10, to easily covering as a two-and-a-half-point favorite against the reigning Super Bowl champs. The Chiefs, certainly impressive, like we mentioned as well. The Vikings stifling the Green Bay Packers, a huge divisional victory to start off their 2022 campaign. And how about Brian Dayball and those New York Giants? The day balls on him to go for it for that two-point conversion to pull off the upset on the road against the Tennessee Titans. And all of their odds, Joe, even the teams that were already favored to make the postseason, to make the playoffs, those odds improving. The Vikings went from minus 110 before this season started, now to greater than $2 to get into the postseason. So, Joe, I ask you, who had the most impressive week one performance in your mind? Oh, it, it starts at the top there. It was the Buffalo Bills going on the road to start the season as a road favorite. Uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of people thought, Ben, uh, the books made a killing uh, because of all of the Rams money that was, oh, Rams teasers, Rams money line, Rams, and the Rams are going to be, let's face it, uh, the Rams are going to be a player coming out of the West, and, uh, and we know that. However, uh, that was about as impressive a showing as you could see of a team that was not distracted, handled their business, did it in absolutely dominating fashion against the champs. Mm. I think they sent as big a message as they could, which is why the market sent a pretty big message when they opened up as what? A seven-point favorite uh, as, uh, was what the original number was. And how did how's that look right now, that number there, Ben? Nine and a half, Joe. Nine and a half in mm-hmm. favor of the Buffalo Bills on Monday night in the home opener in western New York against the Tennessee Titans. That is the number one overall seed in the AFC playoffs last year, the Tennessee Titans. And they are nearly a 10-point underdog on the road against the Buffalo Bills. Maybe Joe reacting to the idea that Tennessee did not cover, did not even win 
at home <laughs> as a five and a half point favorite week number one against those New York Giants. And there's the line for the first of two games that we have on Monday between Tennessee and Buffalo. But let's go to the other side of that week one equation. The New York Giants, Joe, and their home opener, Brian Dayball's opener as the head coach of the New York Giants, they're a two-and-a-half-point favorite against the Carolina Panthers. Do you think mm. that is the right line for this game? The Giants laying less than three at home against the Carolina team and Baker Mayfield that had a letdown week number one, losing the Baker Bowl against the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, um, I get it. I, I do. At home, I mean, usually, Ben, for the longest time, it was three points, right? You had the home, yeah. it was a three-point advantage, you go there. So while I do believe these two teams are even in a lot of ways, the two and a half, I understand, because the reality is both are led by running backs who neither one of us uh, can tell you it will be available in the second quarter. And unfortunately, that's just the reality of Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley. When healthy and used, and Brian Dable did an amazing job of, of using him, taking the ball out of uh, you know Danny Dimes' hands and putting it in Saquon. Yep. But is that something that can be sustained? I mean, McCaffrey, what, what the hell was going on here? Like, give him the ball. Just keep giving him the ball. When, when you give him the ball, great things happen. Uh, I do think McCaffrey and Saquon are going to be poised. This is going to be quite the battle between these uh, two running backs. And I say that because Danny Dimes and Baker Mayfield, just get the hell out of the way. Like, don't ruin it. Just let these guys do their thing, Ben. And it will be a great game. And I think it will come down to, ultimately, a uh, special teams uh, field goal one way or the other when it's all said and done. As it did for the New York Giants on Sunday. Randy Bullock absolutely shanking one left like my nine iron the first time I play golf come Oof. this upcoming spring. So, Joe, it's a great point, though, that you mentioned about Carolina versus Cleveland this past Sunday. The Browns ran for 217 yards as a team. Saquon Barkley had 18 carries for 164 in the Giants opener, the most rushing yards he's had in a single game since December of 2019. But he was also out there for more than 83% of the snaps for New York on Sunday. The highest usage rate of any running back in the NFL, week number one. That's a very positive sign from the health perspective for Saquon Barkley. You would think against that Carolina front that struggled to limit the Cleveland Browns, that might be the offensive game plan for Brian Dayball and the Giants come Sunday as a two-and-a-half-point favorite against Carolina. But, Joe, we mentioned how these markets have moved all in an optimistic way following these week one performances. And Buffalo entered this year, Joe, as a heavy favorite to win the AFC East, as the favorites to win the AFC Championship, the favorites to win the Super Bowl, but those odds only growing shorter, including that to be the number one overall seed in the AFC. Joe, knowing how competitive this conference is going to be all season long, how important will that top seed be come January and when we get to the postseason? For the Bills, it's everything. Uh, let's face it. The Bills want a home playoff game at Orchard Park. They, they don't want to have to go to Arrowhead. They don't want to have to go on the road. So uh, that's the beauty of uh, having been disappointed in years past. You know what it takes. Mm -hmm. uh, you, it, this isn't their first go around. They understand how important having that home field is in January. And, uh, yeah, they're the favorites, and they should be. Uh, and I fully anticipate them uh, taking, barring any crazy 
you know, injuries. We know what Josh Allen and the offense can do, but you tell me the uh, the um, the addition of one Von Miller hasn't made all the difference in the world to this Buffalo Bills team. They want that home game. The top scoring defense in the NFL a season ago. The top total defense in the NFL a season ago. And that's why, on top of everything, when you hold the Rams to only 10 points, your line as the favorite for week number two against the Titans moves all the way up to nine and a half. The markets love Buffalo, and so far... Buffalo has proved the markets right. Now, the other side of that equation, JR, the Rams look lackluster in their first game following a Lombardi trophy against Buffalo. Their odds to win the Super Bowl move back by three bucks from 11 to 1 to plus 1,400. The Bengals have a big move after the loss against the Steelers, 26 to 1 now. The Broncos and the Niners both at 22 to 1. Their odds growing longer after disappointing week one road games as both six and a half point favorite so joe it's a bounce back time as well come week number two not just the teams that impressed and we have seen the line reflect that but some bounce back spots where maybe value is out there i don't know if the value is there on la in sofi stadium on sunday they're a ten and a half point favorite joe against the atlanta falcons so we call this a can't lose shouldn't lose they should win this game outright <laughs> But can they cover a 10.5-point spread against Atlanta? Yes, they can because Atlanta usually only plays three quarters of football. Uh, they seem to take the fourth quarter off, then, and that's usually when the scoring is going to put, you know, on a 10-point spread, that's when this will be covered. I believe Van Jefferson, uh, they're going to try to get him back. I do believe mm. Allen Robinson got lost on his way to the stadium uh, against yeah. Buffalo, but I, I do think he got the directions correct. He will, in fact, play in this game, I think, uh, and actually play a vital role here. It can't just be Cooper Cup or not. I thought um, I, I thought what they did with Mariota was great. I thought Arthur Jones came up with a really good game plan to utilize his strengths. The problem with that, Ben, is now every defensive coordinator saw what you're doing with Marcus Mariota. That ends. Not to mention, they usually quit right around the third quarter and about five minutes in, uh, and then they disappear, and that's going to happen in a big way against these Rams. This is blowout city, my friend. Hey, but it was a great week one, Marcus Mariota. Great job. A great week one. The Falcons covered as a five-and-a-half-point home underdog. Mm -hmm. However, they were up 26-10. to 10 early in that final quarter against the Saints and New Orleans came back to win because Atlanta is going to Atlanta unfortunately three seven and one against the spread last year by the way for the Dirty Birds something they hope to improve on in 2022 so Joe in the NFC West one of the most competitive divisions in all of football last year three of the four teams made the postseason the only team that didn't was the only team that got a win the opening week of this NFL regular season. The Seattle Seahawks in that game on Monday night. All of the emotions welcoming back Russell Wilson. And the Seahawks went outright as a six-and-a-half-point home underdog. They're a nine-and-a-half-point road favorite, Joe. Or, excuse me, nine-and-a-half-point road underdog week number two against the Niners. Why, Joe, are the Seahawks a nine-and-a-half-point dog now against the Niners? Yeah, the trade, there is uh, the animosity and the question surrounding the Trey Lance experience. Listen, he's not ready, Ben. Uh, I think everybody can see it. The reason you want to know why they kept Garoppolo, hello, that's the reason. He's just, and as defensive coordinators get more and more tape on his tendencies, 
it's going to get worse for San Francisco. However, it's Geno Smith. Looked like an MVP in the first half. Had that? Did he even play in the second half? Because I don't remember seeing him out on the that. field. The defense of the 49ers is why this is a nine-and-a-half-point line. Joe, nobody really talked about the fact that the Seahawks were blanked, goose egged in the second half because they got that win, but we'll have that conversation getting ready for week two. Joe Ranieri, you are the best. Get a nap, get another cup of coffee or two before later on on in game. <laughs> More TMA up next. Be good, Ben. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Not just week number two of the National Football League regular season, week three of the college football campaign here in 2022. And although there's not as many ranked matchups, not many top 25 versus top 25, we are still fired up here on the morning after, live on this Wednesday. Mark Zinno joins us now here on this Wednesday on TMA, but Mark Zinno is known as another name when he comes on to the morning after to preview the weekend in college football. He's the mouth in the South, and here are his SEC picks. There is Mark Zinno live right here on the morning after on this Wednesday. Zinno, some pretty important games for some SEC teams upcoming here in week number three, including being involved in the only top 25 tilt that we have so far for week three of this college football season. Thank you for joining us here. Looking forward to the weekend that is to come in the SEC and across college football. Ben, when I get here on Wednesday mornings, I, the, the adrenaline is literally coursing through my veins because we are one day closer to another Saturday kickoff here in the South. But it is a, in a critically important week three for several teams across college football. Yes. Including the Texas A&M Aggies and their head coach in Jimbo Fisher. Because A&M was an 18.5-point home favorite this past weekend against Appalachian State. And App State does what they have done many a time. We'll go to your big Power 5 stadium and not just cover a big spread, win outright. And App State dominated that football game against Texas A&M. So what do the Aggies get as a reward? Well, a visit from Miami, the number 13 team in all the land. And Zinno, A&M still booked as a five-and-a-half-point favorite? That would say to me the market expects a bounce back for Jimbo and the boys. What does the mouth in the South have to say about that line? Well, they, they better bounce back or they're headed for a one-and-four start, which is really not anywhere where they want to be if you look close to their schedule. Again, this is a Jimbo Fisher-led Aggies program that has yet to win more than eight games in a season since coming there, and he was lured Ooh. there. The idea of winning really? an SEC title and a national championship, both of those very far off. I mean, look, Haynes King returned to the starting quarterback role after being injured last year has been less than impressive. Threw for just 97 yards last week against App State. Uh, the, the Aggies' rush offense isn't even averaging 100 yards per game 
on the ground. So where does Texas A&M go from here? They need an amazing performance this week against the Miami team that has the fourth or third highest passing offense in the country right now. Tyler Van Dyke has transformed that offense. But Miami's defense through two games looks very impressive. Will they be that same way against a legitimate SEC opponent like Texas A&M? I don't know that they'll be that good, but what they will be is a lot more competitive on the defensive side of the ball than they have been in years past, especially against an Aggies offense right now that is searching for answers. And is that Max Johnson, the former LSU guy, coming in Ooh. to take over for Haynes King? No one knows at this point. Uh, Jimbo Fisher has not indicated whether he would make a change at quarterback, but through three games so far, three weeks of football so far, two games for some teams, Haynes King does not look like the answer he looked at the beginning of last year. And you can see that improved defense for Miami in the lack of offense under the offensive mastermind, Jimbo Fisher, for AM this year, reflected in this week's total. It's 45 and a half, and it continues to drop. Yesterday, I saw it 47 in a hook. Now that over-under for the only top 25 ranked versus ranked matchup that we have for week number three is just 45 and a hook. So you brought up an interesting point there. Jimbo Fisher, in four years in College Station, at his maximum, has only won eight games. But AM's win total before the year got underway was eight and a half, and the over was at minus 175 for that juice. Well, now look at that win total for the Aggies. Yell all you want at midnight when the clock strikes Saturday, but it's down to seven and a half now, Zeno. The over still has the juice, but... How do you evaluate this Texas A&M club the rest of the way here in 2022? Well, they have to get right here. Like they have to. They, if you want over seven and a half, they have to win this game. I, I don't know, given the rest of their schedule and what's ahead of them, that they have a chance to win eight games if they lose this week because you weren't supposed to dump one to App State. So uh, given mm -hmm. what's coming up ahead, you have matchups with Arkansas and Alabama still, uh, you know, the one that we all circled on the calendar, given the, the offseason comments between Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban, now looks like a possible laugher uh, in that game. So, I mean, if they don't win this week, they're staring one and four in the face. Uh, and while Jimbo Fisher is not going to get fired and the seat certainly isn't going to get hot because you just got a major extension, uh, it's going to be a very, very rough year in College Station. That contract buyout way too large to file, yeah. fire Jimbo at this time. But Jimbo Fisher can recruit. A lot was made this offseason, of course, between yes. the war of words and Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher about that best ever recruiting class on its way to College Station here in 2022. But prior to that, Zeno, a top 10 class each of the three years beforehand. And yet... We're not seeing those results on the field. Just something to keep in mind from that narrative perspective for Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M the rest of this way. When the line opened up early in the summer, by the way, it was eight and a half in favor of A&M at home on Saturday against Miami. It's now down to five in a hook. So although that's the only top 25 matchup that we have, Zeno, there is plenty of great college football in store, including on the plains at Jordan-Hare Stadium in Auburn, Alabama. Auburn and number 22, Penn State. It's the Nittany Lions, you know, on the road as the three-and-a-half-point favorite, and much like A&M in Miami, a very small total. Yeah, and interesting to note, these are two offenses that, again, once we're sitting here wondering what they really are. Uh, you know, Penn State looks like they could be an offense 
that is above average or more than competent for what we've seen in years past. Sean Clifford looks very good. Granted, you know, he played a, a Purdue team that isn't exactly a staunch defensive team. They ripped up on Ohio, but this is a guy with 500 yards passing, five touchdowns and one pick through two weeks. Could they be an offense that averages 300 yards per game passing like they have through the first two weeks? It'd be a change of pace, to say the least, and a welcome change for Nittany Lions fan. I don't know for Auburn if T.J. Finley is the guy, and they're going to have to make a decision real quick, Brian Harson is. One touchdown, three picks through two weeks is not going to get it done. Uh, and this is an Auburn offense, too, that hasn't exactly you know, uh, been good through the air or had any consistent quarterback play for quite some time. Good on the ground still? Yes, obviously. 250 yards per game on the ground through the first two games. And both of these defenses are very good against the run. So will they play to their strengths and try to run at each other? Or will we see Sean Clifford try to go through the air and 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 win the game that way? I think this game sets up well for Penn State. Hesitantly, and I admit this, I'm going to lay the points, but I do like the under here. Jump on it quick because this total is going to continue to drop as we get closer to kickoff. I don't see either one of these teams getting to 30, and that's what it's going to take to push this total over. It's an orange out on the plains inside Jordan-Hare Stadium. Our good friend Mark Zeno, Jack Weinberger, with a jack cap for this game. How could you not take Auburn in the points because of that orange out? I'll let you decipher what <laughs> that means. They did meet last year in Week 3, Penn State and Auburn, in Happy Valley at Beaver Stadium. It was a very similar spread. Penn State was a home favorite, and they won 28-20. to There was a new team atop the AP Top 25. It's the reigning national champion, Georgia Bulldogs. And this week, Zeno, the first SEC clash for Georgia this year on the road as a 24-and-a-half-point favorite in Columbia against the Gamecocks of South Carolina. Obviously an expectation for UGA to win this football game. But, Zeno, can the dogs cover a very large number? Well, the short answer is yes, they can. Now, three of the last four meetings between these two teams – Georgia has put up 40 and hasn't given up more than 17. The one where they didn't, they actually lost that game in Athens uh, where the, the Gamecocks ripped apart the hedges, if you remember that. that Kirby didn't take, take yep. that one too lightly. But if I would have told you through two weeks of football, the second-best passing offense in America was the Georgia Bulldogs at 395 yards per game, you might have scoffed and said, are you sure you don't mean rushing offense? No, it's not the run. It has been Stetson Bennett. And this passing offense, I think this is starting to signal a changing of the guard, so to speak, philosophically for the Georgia offense. Now, this is a Gamecocks team that has given up 247 rushing yards per game. That plays right into Georgia's wheelhouse. So naturally, one would think that the Bulldogs are going to come into this game and go, we're just going to run it right down your throat. And not so fast, as the uh, the old man would say. I still think Georgia's going to be a very balanced team. They're going to throw the ball. Look, if Stetson Bennett could put up seven consecutive touchdowns on his first seven drives against an Oregon defense that is better than this South Carolina defense, they're not going to hesitate to throw the ball in this game either. My only concern is that Shane Beamer is a coach that will play you and come at you for 60 straight minutes, and he's got the best special teams in the country. Is the possibility of a backdoor cover there? I would assume so. But Georgia shouldn't have any problem covering this number still in a very nauseating sense. This will be an incredibly publicly bet team this week in Georgia yeah. uh, with about probably 80 to 90 percent of the tickets being on Georgia to cover this number because they're that much better than South Carolina.
when spreads were this large in Georgia's favor last season because of how good that yeah. defense was, my thought was always Georgia opponent team total under. It's going to be a relatively low number for South Carolina, but that would be my look, hopefully, to avoid that idea of a back door cover Georgia not just the number one team in the country now the betting favorite to win a national championship on the FanDuel Sportsbook working their way up week by week by week so far here in the early going of this college football campaign plus 180 now the favorites 20 cents of head of Alabama the tide at plus 200 following a disappointing day of sorts despite a win on the road in Austin Texas now the mouth in the south is Mark Zeno last year when he was on this show it was death taxes and all miss overs but it didn't work out for us the way that we all expected Zeno and that potent Lane Kiffin offense in fact they were on a streak of eight straight unders dating back to last year that continued week number one against Troy but it was snaps in 59 points from the Rebs against Central Arkansas this past Saturday pushing us over a total finally are we back for Ole Miss's game against Georgia Tech this Saturday well I mean Georgia Tech's defense is trouble stopping a nosebleed I mean that's just a fact of the matter and Jeff Collins is in trouble on the flats uh in Atlanta that said I don't like what Lane Kiffin is doing in the rotating quarterback situation and playing it week to week, it doesn't really allow me to sit there and get comfortable with totals being this high because you're going to get different output from game to game. When it was Matt Corral last year, it had a little bit more certainty on what the offense was going to do and what he was going to do. And what really sort of led to that underrun was the fact that Matt Corral hurt his ankle or his foot and was not able to run the ball himself as much as you normally would have liked to have seen. That said, Lane Kiffin's offense is always – available to score points if you're going to do this here instead of taking uh the over i might look to the old miss team total over in a sense given what each quarterback each week can do who their opponent is and how likely they can score i think that's probably a safe way to do it plus i don't really trust georgia tech's offense to score 17 or 20 points in a game at this point Ole Miss went over last week, again, against Central Arkansas, and it was a 61.5-point total, and they finished with 62 combined points. So maybe have a little bit of pause. Mark Zeno, the mouth in the south. It's going to be great breaking down college football with you all year long here on the morning after. More TMA up next year as we round out our number one. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rounding out our number one, the morning after live right here on this Wednesday on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. It's the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM all across the Sports Grid Network. I am Ben Stevens. We started off today's show recapping what had happened with TJ Watt and the Pittsburgh Steelers. A torn pec muscle, but not fully tearing the tendon, which means... Good news for the reigning defensive player of the year. He's going to miss some substantial time, estimated around six weeks, but he will be back this season. And the fear was he might miss the remainder of 2022 following a great defensive effort from the Steelers against the Bengals this past Sunday in their opener. Seven sacks against Cincinnati, turning the Bengals over 
five times. So the Bengals lose week number one. The Browns win. The Steelers win as a seven and a half point underdog on the road. And the Ravens handle their business. So what's going to happen with the AFC North this season? That's what we asked you in Fade the Public. It's a simple question, really. Who's going to win the division? Who will win the AFC North Championship this year in 2022? The Ravens are still the favorites. The Bengals, the second best odds. The Browns and the Steelers in that order as well. And the public going with the Baltimore Ravens. Over 52.5% think the Ravens are going to win the AFC North Divisional Crown this season in 2022. And their odds to win the division did get shorter and shorter following week number one. Now plus 115. They entered at plus 145, but they were only 20 cents ahead of Cincinnati before the year got underway. Now you can see that is a much larger gap the Browns odds getting better but the public doesn't have a lot of faith in Cleveland the Steelers odds getting better 13.1 percent of the public voted for Pittsburgh here in this poll they must be listening to Alex Fasano you will listen to Alex Fasano in the sports grid news update in between hour one and two of the morning after live here on this Wednesday come back and join us on sports grid.